Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Finance Minister Christia Freeland will unveil the 2023 federal budget tomorrow. Uh, Ms. Freeland says that the budget will focus on green technology, health care and new spending aimed at easing cost of living concerns. She's also said that the budget will show fiscal restraint uh, pointing to concerns about inflation and high interest rates. So she will, as she said, uh, spend money but also be uh, fiscally uh, conservative as well. So it's a very interesting conversation that is going on in Ottawa right now. Joining me now to talk a little bit about the federal budget and this country's finances to a certain degree is Michael Campbell, Global News Business Analyst and host of the amazing Money Talks podcast. Michael, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Yeah, it's lots been a lot to talk about. Yeah, lots to talk about. First of all, uh, you know, you've uh, follow have followed many a budget federally. What will you be looking for? Well, a couple of things that just a reminder is when governments want you to pay attention to something, they release it early. I mean, I'm old enough to remember, obviously, when it was budget secrecy was the top thing, you know, no leaks, no nothing. That mm-hmm. started to change as it became more and more a marketing uh, budget or a marketing document, you know, for the governing party. It didn't matter if it was a conservative budget or a liberal budget. And that's what we're seeing here. I mean, uh, they want us to know there's going to be some sort of grocery rebate program going on. So that's why you've seen that repeated several times. You know, grocery prices may be top of the list of, for everybody in this country right now of concerns. So, again, we hear that a great deal as we come up to the budget. So there won't be a surprise there. Uh, Other things like we will get some sort of boost in green technology. You know, again, they want us to know that. They want the public to, so they release it. Then it will get covered again tomorrow and probably the next couple of days. And then the other one that we've had really for about two months, the big debate over what kind of health care transfers are going to be going extra from the federal government to the province. So all of that we know Immediately. Mm -hmm. I think what they don't want to talk so much about is economic growth. Uh, They don't, uh, they've been accused of not having a specific plan for overall economic growth, which means simply, can we attract capital? Can we improve our productivity? I I had a chance to chat with the parliamentary budget officer, Yves Giroux, for Money Talks on the weekend. And I asked him, what's his biggest concern? I mean, he looks at all the government finances, the numbers coming at us. He said the concern is we have not had any emphasis on productivity. I suspect that will continue. Mm -hmm. And it is. I mean, your standard of living is determined by your productivity. Mm -hmm. You know, if we want a higher standard of living for more Canadians, uh, attracting capital is another. Those are a couple of things I don't suspect they will talk about in this budget. It'll be, we've come to just expect what's in it for me in the budget. You Mm -hmm. know, what am I going to get? So the groceries will top that list. Uh, For industry, it'll be if you're in the green industry sector, you know, that will be there. And then sort of on the political front, it will be health care. You know, so I think we know pretty much what's going to be in that budget at this point. Well, let's talk a a little bit about sort of the the issues that we aren't talking about just for a moment here. Uh, One of them is spending. I mean, when you adjust year over year over year spending, federal spending is 24 percent higher than when Justin Trudeau was first elected in 2015. There has to be a fiscal reckoning somewhere. I I mean, we can't continue to spend at this rate. 
you know, what will be interesting, Jazz, is how it manifests as a fiscal re- reckoning. And I mean, throughout the world, we're worried about sovereign debt right now. Mm-hmm. We're worried about bank debt, uh, not just in the United States, which became, you know, headline news with Silicon Valley, you know, Republic Bank, the list goes on there, but also obviously in Europe with Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank. This is part of a bigger problem. But the thing will be, how will it manifest to us? I mean, people are always asking, why should I care? And I think we're already living it because the governments across the Western world, and of course, actually in China too, is what's been their response to every problem? You know, let's take it back to the pandemic. What was their response to the pandemic? Well, it was to create money and spend both uh, on the government side, fiscal policy and the monetary policy with, you know, record low interest rates. So then we can flash forward and look at the energy crisis that especially Europe, you know, endured. Well, there's about 700 billion euro fleshed out of there, you know, to help out. Every time we've had a major problem, we've created dollars. Well, that's worried some people. But I'm saying, well, where does that translate? It translates into weaker purchasing power of your currency. And that's the thing that all of us have experienced. We don't buy as much with our dollars as simply put another way of looking at we've got inflation or higher costs. So uh, when I look at this stuff, it worries me, but it's how it's going to translate for the individual. And uh, a a couple of quick points on that. Mm -hmm. I'm very worried about this huge dichotomy between the haves and the have-nots. And the definition of have-not is basically anyone who didn't have assets coming into the pandemic because government policy helped those with assets. My house price went up. Uh, Maybe my business became worth a lot more, you know, as the stock market rose, other assets. But what about the people who don't own that? What about the people who rent? Uh, You know, and of course we all buy groceries, but they're the ones who suffered. And I think that number isn't like some 20% of the population. I look at the polls and I think you got about 50, 55% of the population who are really feeling the crunch right now, who are adjusting their lifestyle because of rising prices. And so you, you just have to make a distinction, I think, now. Uh, you know, the old, we're all in this together is baloney. We were never all in it together. I never personally suffered like some people during the pandemic. You know, I had a house to live in. I wasn't in a one-bedroom apartment with two kids wondering where my next paycheck came from. I think that's extended now with these high prices. Some people can afford them, and a heck of a lot of people can't. So, so what, would, what would you say to environment? Yeah, and what would you say to those who say, "Look, based on what you've just described to me now, Michael, perhaps government does need to spend a little bit more to help those that are uh, that need that extra help, whether it be uh, a fund that they they've marketed around a grocery rebate uh, or other uh, rebates that are there. That perhaps this is a time that government perhaps not spend like they did two or three years ago, but they still need to spend, and people are okay with a bigger government at this point. Uh, and we will need to get to that point where we once again start looking at deficits and debt." Uh, but now is not the time. Well, I, first of all, I think it's a great question because that's what we should be examining, and maybe not in a simplistic way. But for example, something has to change in healthcare. Yeah. Now it doesn't necessarily mean spend more money because we've tried that for twenty-five years. Yeah. And if that means just buying more administrators, that isn't what the public is going to feel. You know, we do have more nurses and doctors. You look at the numbers, it's actually surprising how many more we've added. But something is wrong in that system. You know, we can't get a family doctor. 
you know, we know what we've done with waiting lists are the worst in the Western world, those kind of things. So I think the discussion needs to be had for sure. And I'm not sitting there saying you won't have to spend more money, but my goodness gracious, it better be spent in the right areas. And you raise a very good point. In the areas that result with, you know, with individual patients feeling the impact. Because, you know, it's ridiculous to be last when it comes to waiting for elective surgery, last when it comes to uh, so many aspects in terms of a waiting list. And that's what people think healthcare. And as I say, can't get a family doctor either. That's the stuff. I agree. We got to talk about it. It may cost more, but it's got to be spent in the right areas. Yeah. I think when it comes to groceries, sorry, I'm, I'm going. You, Jess, you remember me? I just keep going on and on. It's like it's like a disease. no. I was just. I want to jump in before you talk about. Yeah. No. I just yeah. want to jump in once, and, I, and I'll let you go on. I, I think you raise a very good point. It's also, as they put more money in the healthcare system, but it's also a system that's got to be open to innovation, right? Totally. Uh, and that's the and problem. It hasn't been. No. And it really hasn't been. Whether it's administration. You look at comparative administrative numbers between us and Germany, and it's ridiculous. We have, like, on a per capita basis, like eight or nine times more administrators. And that's obvious. But my point is this. When you're killing or when uh, 26,000 people in a couple of years are dying waiting for treatment, everybody's got to stand up and say something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. You know, they absolutely have to. And we haven't done that, or a lot of people haven't done that. But, uh, you know, but I go to grocery prices, you know, and we will get that grocery rebate and, you know, maybe some people will cheer. And I'm happy to see that, you know, people who are struggling are going to get, you know, a couple with two children looks like they're going to get about $467 one-time payment. Seniors, $225, although that really has to be means tested. I'm a senior. I don't need the government's help. I want that money to go to someone who really does need help, Mm -hmm. as an example. Mm-hmm. Single person about two thirty four. Again, it depends on their circumstances. But here's the thing: high, what are high grocery prices caused by? Well, there's a whole list: uh, lack of competition, high gas and diesel prices getting passed along, interprovincial trade barriers, and inflation putting wages higher, uh, manufacturing costs all across the chain higher. Dairy Commission raises prices three times in the last two years, etc. So just paying. A couple with two kids, four sixty-seven once isn't solving those problems. Yeah, and, and gas prices going up of, too. Yeah, good, good point. And it, a lot of those have the government fingerprints all over them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, interprovincial trades barriers is something we've talked about, and people should understand this. Is you know, this is not some contentious issue in the world of economics. We know those trade barriers are costing us tens of billions of dollars. It would cost nothing other than on a political uh, price, maybe at some point, does not cost economically. It's probably the biggest bang that we can get for our economy without spending a nickel. Yeah. Other than removing the barriers. You, you know, you raise a very good point. Like with all these little things that add up and they, they don't touch those. And like I said, carbon tax goes up on Saturday, 3.3%. A 6.3% increase in alcohol as well. And that's built in. They don't have to debate it. They uh, I think they made yeah. the announcement in 2018, I think it was. And it just goes up automatically every single year. Uh, and to the point where like, I think if you spend $125 on alcohol now, I think roughly half, just a little bit more goes to tax. And that's not sustainable. Never mind all the other things that impacts people's lives in a much more direct way as well. Well, we'll keep a close eye on this. It is uh, it is wonderful that we're helping people. And I think that's really important. But there's some long-term structural challenges in this country that we just have not dealt with some of these challenges. And, and they're going to come and haunt us. We're going to have to get to them sooner rather than later. Michael, as always, my friend, thank you so much for your time. Not a, pro- not a problem. Nice to chat with you again. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. 
Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.